I'm going to just introduce this subject of forgiveness and then in a moment we'll have a Bible reading. Some time ago, maybe in the past few years, you may have seen a picture of a little girl called Kim. I'm not going to show the picture this morning because it's really too upsetting to show. But she's an eight-year-old Vietnamese girl who was caught up in the terrible fighting in Vietnam in the late 60s, early 70s. And in 1972, her picture was captured by a war photographer as she fled naked, screaming in pain, with third-degree burns caused by a napalm attack. After 17 operations and much suffering, Kim claimed political asylum and now lives in Canada, and here she is now. At the age of 19, Kim became a committed Christian. And remarkably, God has enabled her to forgive, as to forgive those who are responsible for her terrible suffering. An Irish couple, Mick and Bridie McGoldrick, had a son named Michael, who was murdered by loyalist terrorists in 1996. In their grief, their first reaction was to think about taking their own lives. But God came into their situation. And on the day of the funeral, Mick sensed that God was telling him he needed to forgive his son's killers. And God gave him the strength to do that publicly in TV interviews. Forgiveness is never easy, but it's necessary. I've asked uh, Gina and Alan to read the Bible passage this morning. It's uh, from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, page 985 in the Church Bibles. Page 985, Matthew 18, the story of the unforgiving servant. Servant, unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle the accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled his debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him hundred demini. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. 
Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Thanks. That parable isn't difficult to understand. The servant was hopelessly in debt, probably about 20 years worth of pay in debt. And even though he said, give me time, he was never going to be able to repay that amount. But his master, the, forgive, the king, forgave him the whole debt, everything, all 20 years worth And yet that very same servant who had been forgiven so much refused to forgive a fellow servant who only owed him a few pounds, probably about one day's wages compared with 20 years, even though he himself had been forgiven so much. The challenge of the parable is is clear. Even though God has forgiven us so much, we can be very reluctant to forgive one another. But why should we forgive people? Why should we forgive them after all that they've done? Why why should I forgive him after what he's done to me, maybe time and time again? Why should I forgive her after what she said about me? Why should we forgive people at all? Well, let's see how the parable answers it. The parable begins looking at how the master behaved, how he forgave his servants, So let us begin by thinking first about how God has forgiven us. In the first letter of John, there are some wonderful words about forgiveness. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. In other words, it's saying we all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you've ever sinned, and we all have, we often do, sadly, isn't that wonderfully good news for us? We all sin, but God offers us complete forgiveness. Whatever we've done, however bad, however repeated, however shameful, however long ago or however recent, God offers to forgive us if we simply turn to him and say sorry and ask for mercy. We hurt God. We grieve him. We spurn his love. How would you feel, how do you feel if people treat you like that? If they hurt you, if they reject you, whatever it might be. And yet God reacts by forgiving all of us who come to him and say sorry. That's wonderful for us, but it costs God everything. Later on in the same letter, I quoted from a moment ago, John writes, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In Romans chapter 5, it tells us that, that God did this even when we were God's enemies. But still he sent his Son as a sacrifice to die for us. What did it cost Jesus to do that? You can't put it in terms of money. It cost him an, an agonizing, protracted death. A humiliating death. But worst of all, being cut off and abandoned, even by his own heavenly Father for a few dark hours on the cross. As Jesus took upon himself, took the blame for our sin that God hates so much. And Jesus allowed himself to face the full wrath of an angry, holy God that we should have faced for the sin that, that God hates. And that's the only way that any of us are saved. It's not we're better than anybody else. It's not that this morning we meet here, outside the, the thousands of sinners who don't care about God, but us, we're different, we're better, we, we qualify to be here because we are good and we always do what God says. No, not a bit of it. None of us. We're no more deserving than anybody out there this morning who isn't thinking about God. But we only, we can only be forgiven the way that uh, many of us have been forgiven by coming to God as we are, as sinners who've failed to please him and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the only way. We're forgiven because Jesus paid the price. I was thinking recently, it's amazing, amazing to me that if, if somebody hurts me, my natural reaction is uh, to dislike them, certainly not to forgive them. When I, heard, when I hurt Jesus, his reaction was to die for me, to pay for my sin. That's God's forgiveness. How about us, by comparison? The Lord's Prayer, uh, and this was echoed a bit in what Brian read, read this morning, includes this prayer we know so well, don't we? Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and leads not into temptation. Uh, that's quoted from Luke's Gospel. In Matthew, we find that Jesus amplified it a bit in the second quote there, where he just spelled it out about the importance of us forgiving other people. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And in the, the passage that we had read for us a few minutes ago, it ends by saying, as it's spoken about, the, 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 the unforgiving servant being thrown into jail. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Rather, the Bible urges us to forgive like God forgives. We're meant to forgive as God does. Example in the letter to the Ephesians, um, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So we should forgive each other, just in the same way, the same completely undeserving way that we receive forgiveness from Jesus. 
and he goes on a few verses later, be imitated of God, therefore, as did he love children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. After what Jesus has done for us, how can we not forgive? As we come towards the end of these, these simple thoughts, really, just a couple of questions that may come into your minds. First question, how often should we forgive? It's one thing to forgive somebody once or twice, but maybe there have been people in your life, maybe there are people in your life now who just seem to go on hurting you. They go on being a pain to you. Their, their behaviour goes on irritating you. What do we do with it? How often do we keep on forgiving? Of course, that's the question that Peter asked at the beginning of our reading this morning. Uh, he came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he, is, he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And, and one version says, uh, uh, 70 times, seven times. I'll, I'll let, you do, let you do the maths. But that's what it says there, and it's uh, expanded in, in Luke's Gospel again. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, we need to forgive him. Of course, the whole parable spells out that as well, doesn't it? But the other question that often comes to our minds when we think about forgiveness is this. What if the other person isn't sorry? Uh, I've known people like that. Uh, probably you have as well. For that matter, it may be that the boot's on the other foot as well. And for all we know, uh, we might be hurting somebody uh, uh, time and time again. What do we do if the other person just isn't sorry? It's different if somebody if they, you know, really upset you. If they come and say sorry, they're somehow being reconciled. Sometimes even through that, actually coming closer to each other. But if, if they don't, don't see the problem, they think there's nothing wrong in what they've done. What do we do then? Well, the answer again is to look at what God does. Let's see how God treats people who aren't at all sorry for hurting him. The, the majority of people in the world, I'm, I'm sure, are like that. Day by day, all of us, we, we grieve God, we frustrate him, we often just ignore him and take no notice of him. What does God do about people like that? First of all, this quote from Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do we do that? That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If people sin against God and don't say sorry, like in any relationship, if in that, what I just described, uh, if, if someone keeps hurting you and they don't recognise it, then however kind you are to them, uh, your relationship is, is going to be damaged, isn't it? Sent by a, a, both sides saying sorry, we can be reconciled. The same with God. If, if people won't, won't come to him and say sorry, there's no way he can be fully reconciled to them. But how does God treat people like that? When he says, um, he, he causes his son to rise uh, on, on the... <coughs> sorry. Uh, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good 
and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, we all like sun, don't we? And the fact is that everybody in the world gets, gets their share of it, irrespective of whether they, they please God or not. And the same with the rain. Now, we, not, we, we might not rate rain as quite sort of blessing as sun. We, we seem to be over-blessed over with that particular uh, commodity. But, but rain is important. We need water. And occasionally, we have had times of drought in this country and the hosepipe bans and things, and, and worse than that occasionally. Then you really appreciate water. But, but, but God sends sun and rain for all of us, regardless of whether we take any notice of him or not. Although it, it can never be fully reconciled to us until we, we'll say sorry, he still loves us and gives us good things to enjoy. And a similar thing in, in Luke's Gospel, where <clears throat> he says, Then your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, therefore, just your Father is merciful. I like that summary of how God behaves towards people who, who, who ignore him or hurt him. He says he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Do you know any ungrateful people? Do you know any wicked people? Uh, uh, Jesus says, be kind to them, because that's how God treats people. Of course, as we just said, we can never be, never be completely reconciled to, to people who hurt us if, if they don't see the problem and don't come and say sorry. But we should at least imitate God in, in loving them and treating them kindly. Uh, it's quite well summed up in a way in, in Romans chapter 12, where Paul writes, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We aren't responsible for what other people do and how they react to the challenges in our relationship, but at least we make sure that from our side, as far as it depends on us, we live at peace with everyone. So as we come to the end, this brings us with a challenge for ourselves. What about us? Is there anybody you haven't forgiven? Maybe in your family, in your neighbourhood, in your work, maybe people here in church who have been in church in the past. Is anybody not forgiven? Maybe it's something so deep-seated, it's from years ago, but you've never forgiven. A quote from a, a Christian writer, John Ortberg, who some, some of us find his books very helpful. He wrote one book with the wonderful title of Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them, which I like, isn't it? But this is what he wrote about forgiveness. And these are serious words, but they're true. God commands us to forgive whenever we're hurt and reconcile whenever we can because life is too short not to do so. We don't have another shot at it. If you don't forgive, if you let pride, resentment, stubbornness and defensiveness stand in your way, you become a hard and bitter person. You carry a, a burden that will crush the humanity out of your spirit. You will grow a little colder every day. Spiritually, you will die. Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him 
so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Well, it might be helpful just to have a moment of quiet now, not for any of us to be praying anything out loud. Let's just talk to our Heavenly Father and ask him quietly in our own hearts, Father, is there somebody I need to forgive just as you have forgiven me? And then we'll move on. Father, please have mercy on us. Though we don't deserve it in the least, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for us, even though you didn't deserve to do that. But you've loved us and saved us by putting yourself in our place and dying for our sin. Lord, please help us now to forgive everyone we can think of who we might hold a grudge against. Whatever they've done, whatever they've said, whatever their attitude to us, please help us to forgive and be reconciled. Your name's sake. Amen. Before we share communion, we're going to sing that old hymn, Rock of Ages, and uh, which includes the words, Nothing in my hand I bring, nothing to thy cross, but simply to thy cross I cling. Because that's how we're forgiven. We bring nothing to the deal. We just say, Father, please forgive me. That's us. So let's sing this as we prepare for communion now.